0: What you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Well, alright guys, welcome back to The Trash Heap, uh, the podcast that sets out to prove there are no garbage movies, just garbage opinions. I'm Elliot Greenman and I'm joined by my co-host Keith Vance Keith how are you doing today
1: hey I'm doing great by the way Excellent. that that meal that you cooked last night looked incredible if you guys oh, want to see yeah. Elliot cooking the most beautiful dishes from around the world for dinner and sometimes breakfast make sure you follow him at
0: lasagna mom is my Instagram handle
1: yeah lasagna underscore mom well, on yeah. Instagram
0: well thanks Keith i, I but yeah cooking is the thing that's really uh be me occupied and sane right now besides watching movies and talking to you um it's also helping me
1: quite a bit just because everything looks so delicious and it's giving me food ideas because while i may not cook an entire meal from scratch i might Mm -hmm. look at your meal go to the store get some instant rice get some uh some mushu pork uh, and some cabbage, toss them in a bowl together and, uh, just make myself up a little tasty dinner.
0: Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. Like the thing I made, uh, which is the Thai version of essentially like the red Chinese, you know, roast pork. I made everything from scratch, but like totally you could go to the store and buy all those, most of those ingredients. Pre-made or mostly pre-made, and just warm it up. It's still going to be really good.
1: Yeah, for those of you not sure, it's that pork with the red edges. It's like the barbecue marinated barbecue pork, which is tasty. I used to love getting that as a kid. Uh, My dad would always pick some of that up with the the spicy mustard. mustard. Yep, and the the um, sesame seeds, and we would just dip that, and we'd get the. It's like the equivalent of brain freeze, but with spicy food. Um, totally. It's like well, thermonuclear like, meltdown in your frontal like lobe.
0: That, that hot mustard, like the Chinese hot mustard, is more it's more in the nose than it is on the tongue, you know? It's like that yeah. horseradish-type yeah, burn.
1: Yeah, it would go up into my brain and just what I imagine it feels like be kicked in the head by an experienced martial artist, like that same feeling. But
0: Well, I mean, we could put that to the test.
1: We could. I know some martial artists actually in the – puget sound region um i don't know if they'd be willing to kick me in the head but i okay, mean i, I might be, be able to good. i might be able to coax them into it
0: <laughs> well then thanks for that little food chat out uh, this is our new cooking uh <laughs> welcome to the trashy <laughs> cooking edition we're not talking about movies anymore if we do talk about movies it's only movies that feature food like a uh, tom popo or some other movie about food that's oh, it
1: that actually might be a cool idea for a future episode
0: Oh yeah, like like bad like bad cooks uh, movies movies about cooks.
1: Yeah, or just uh, movies where food takes center stage. Oh yeah, like uh, Good Burger.
0: Or oh, yeah, or you know which one I've been meaning to watch is uh that uh, it came out last year. It's called Slice, about with Chance the Rapper about the pizza delivery boy who finds like a gateway to hell or something
1: oh yeah and I mean, it's all just, it's all like crazy uh yeah i've been
0: re- i've been meaning to watch that one i'm gonna make pizza this week so
1: maybe that's maybe that becomes the episode yeah, it's I'm like gonna, gonna, pairing uh a food with movies
0: Ooh, i like this you're really speaking because we do me and francis do that at home i'll be like she'll be like what are you making tonight and i'll be like oh i'm making um i'm making uh
1: peter pancakes
0: Peter pancakes, you know, or just like I'm making Chinese food tonight, so let's watch a Chinese movie, or I'm making uh Italian food, so let's watch Goodfellas, you know, something like that.
1: I'm making people, so let's watch Ravenous. That's a secret. I know, we weren't supposed to talk about that yet, but I couldn't I couldn't resist.
0: Okay. All right, it was supposed to be a big surprise. Elliot's a cannibal, but anyway, as we said, this is nothing you know, to be pod- ashamed of. <laughs> this is the podcast. Where we want to prove that the the only only the opinions are garbage, the movies aren't garbage, and that goes for our opinions too. Because if you listen to this, we got some pretty awful, you know, uh, movie reviewer opinions, probably worse than most uh, most people's. Yeah, so if I you listen to, to
1: if you listen to the last episode about Bright, um, it was one bad take after another, and just us completely missing the point. So uh. I, I also
0: like how like we uh, we went to talk about how. Was actually pretty good, and it just sounds like we completely ripped that movie apart.
1: Yeah, it's like if you start punching someone in the face over and over again, um, and, and like then at the end, and then at the end, you're like, "It turns out I actually really like you."
0: By the yeah, way, yeah, totally. Well, I think too, like, because when I with sometimes when movies are close to being really good, you sometimes like hang on to like the faults a little bit stronger than you would. A movie that was just fine, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's really easy to dwell on the things that disappointed you because it was so close. It's yeah. like it's like I mean, if if you want to equate it to like um, sports fans, right? They always focus on, oh, you know, the kicker missed that field goal. If only they had they'd made that kick, we would have won. Or you right. know, if only they had scored fifteen points in the second half, we could have you know pulled out the victory.
0: Yeah, like totally forgetting the fact that they got to the World Cup or something. Yeah, fail, cause,
1: failing cause at the looked, highest possible level is still right. pretty good.
0: Yeah, exactly, you know. Uh but yeah, we so uh, but though it did it did re- make me think after doing that episode cuz we talked about how bright is so close to alienation, the movie, not the TV series. Right. I went back and rewatched Alienation, which I hadn't seen in probably a few years, and man, that is a good movie.
1: You have it on a double feature with
0: it's uh, it's Alienation. I have a disc that's like a double disc, Alienation and Enemy Mine.
1: That's incredible. They don't, oh, they don't great. make stuff like that anymore. No. That's the uh, the old Walmart special.
0: Oh yeah. Totally.
1: <laughs> but yeah, Alienation's yeah. uh incredible. Like if uh, if you haven't seen that, definitely check it out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think maybe the the ending gets a little enters into kind of like generic territory like by the by the numbers but i know which is not necessarily a bad thing it's just kind of like
1: now the fun part is getting there
0: yeah it's like it's it's uh it's it that is kind of separates it from the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie is just so like unique and weird particularly for that time you know
1: there's quite a few of those wild buddy cop movies from the 80s like dead oh, heat yeah. you know where it's a cop and a dead cop or right yeah um, or like the hidden yeah the hidden
0: which is like the the cop uh, two human cops, but one of the human cops is possessed by an alien or something.
1: Yeah, by like an alien, like slug or a space ghost or something, something like, like that. that yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a rowdy time for movies. It's pretty totally. cool. Did they oh, really was... continue that into the nineties? Trying to think if there's any uh, really good. Actually, Dead Heat might be from the early nineties. That, no, that's the eighties for right.
0: sure. Um, I don't. Not that I can really think of. Yeah, because it started
1: to get really serious in the 90s. It was, like, Lethal Weapon and movies like that where, you know, it was the veteran cop yeah. and then the, the rookie cop on the edge.
0: Yeah, more of that style, like the, or, like, the rookie with a, uh, Clint Eastwood. And oh, and Charlie Sheen, Sheen. yeah. Which that might have been, like, 89, but, like, same. He was That was definitely the style that permeated into the 90s in terms of, like cop movies or something or just like the more just like corrupt cops stuff like uh yeah. gang related with a uh, jim belushi and uh tupac shakur
1: yeah or uh colors colors with, uh, yeah. sean penn and robert duvall yeah bob duvall love him. love bob yeah. duvall i love calling actors by their uh <laughs> by a more casual name too as if we're on a person-to-person like yeah. chummy chummy yeah, relationship
0: like t- oh, let me introduce you to my friend tommy hanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh tommy yeah <laughs> uh well before we get into the meat of our episode today our before I'll, we'll talk about what it's about today but is there anything you've seen in the past week since we've uh since last time we did a show that is kind of fun that you might want to plug or give a recommendation on some streaming service that you've seen
1: uh you know what i watched you? hereditary for oh, the second I, time, second time? since seeing hereditary. it in the theater Mm-hmm. And that was such a tremendous movie-going experience. Like I have a real fondness for that that night, just because it's one of those movies that's very quiet and sparse, and just has a lot of open moments where there's no dialogue or a ton of you know musical score to speak of. And so it's easy for you know a rowdy movie-going audience to fill in that space with wisecracks and you know nonsense and. To the audience's credit, they were very respectful or even, you know, kind of enraptured by this movie or captivated, if you will. And so they, they kept quiet, especially during the the kind of family, you know, tense moments of dialogue yeah. and things like that. And so it was a real, like, nail-biting, like, intense experience. And uh, I just want to thank that audience for that, that night because, uh, you know, say, compared to... When I saw Cabin Fever or Freddy versus Jason, you know, those crowds were... It was like a rock concert. Everyone well, sees. those
0: are the type of movies, too, that, like, you know, are supposed to elicit, like, cheers and boos and wild screams, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. So... But, yeah, Hereditary was uh, tremendous. And even though I wasn't quite as blown away by the ending as, as other folks, maybe, um, I still really enjoyed it. And I think it's something special. And yeah. upon second viewing, I actually enjoyed it even more, just because of the, the kind of Easter eggs and like layers to oh, it that yeah. I didn't quite. You can't always quite see those specific details in the movie theater, um, depending on how well the the movie's focused and everything like that. There's
0: there's tons of little foreshadowing just like peppered throughout.
1: Yeah, yeah, that movie way uh, more than I thought. And you know, I also like if if uh, a letter or a postcard or a book or something shows up and there's Kind of a few sentences to read. I won't always, you know, kind of pick up on it and and read what's written, and so just things like that popping up, and uh, yeah, it was great.
0: Yeah, when I saw that uh in the the theater, I I went and saw it at like ten in the morning, and there was only like a handful of people in the theater. Yeah, (laughs) same thing. It was well, honestly, that's a that's when I that's a lot of times when I do go to the movies because since I work nights, uh. And then even on my, like, days off, sometimes I like going earlier in the morning just to kind of get it out of the way, you know, so you have your day ahead of you. Um, but, yeah, there was, like, ten, five to ten other people in the th- in the whole entire theater, and it was just completely dead silent. And I'll say, for me, like, I uh, even when I was a kid, like, movies didn't really, like, scare me, you know, um, like a little kid. Like, there was a couple, but, like, in general, like, I might get, like, jump scares, but I wasn't, like, unsettled by them or anything. And this, by far, like, at least as an adult, was the most like unset for me the most unsettling movie experience I've had in a very 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 long time. Um, let's see what have I seen that I want to. Oh, I watched uh, Extraordinary. Uh, I, th- I think I rented it on some streaming service. It wasn't free or anything. But it- you you you're familiar with that one, Keith?
1: Would you call it extraordinary?
0: I really liked it. It's a it's a British movie, but it has Will Forte in it. And it's a Will Forte plays a like a like a one hit wonder rock star who's turned to Satanism to try and reinvigorate his career and is planning on doing a human sacrifice.
1: I to, like where it's headed.
0: Oh my god, it's great! And it's then it's a uh, there's like a, a driving instructor who is a former she plays a former like ghost uh, communicator uh, slash, exorcist <laughs>
1: a former ghost. she's back from the grave and ready to get some work done.
0: So she teams up with the father of the girl that Will Forte is trying to sacrifice to help him. It's really, it's a really delightful little romp. Uh, I really like Will Forte. I think he's one of the best comedic actors working right now. And also if you've seen movies like Nebraska, he has a lot of dramatic chops as well. So I would really recommend that one. Um, Also on Netflix, I watched in the shadow of the moon is that a um,
1: documentary or is that a
0: it's a no it's a sounds it's a,
1: like a documentary
0: it does sound like it like it like it would be like a about this you know space race or something but no it's about uh it's a it's a real like narrative movie it's from uh jim mickle director of stakeland and we are what we are and it uh has what's the guy's name we were actually talking about him last week the guy from the predator uh boyd something like Lloyd Hallbrook or Holbrook. He's in it. He's the main character. It's not a great movie, but I will say, like, it starts out really, like, just it's kind of a hoot. It kind of reminds me of, you know, some of the like, more out-there 80s movies. It actually it is a movie that spans, like, 40 years or something, so it starts in the late 80s, and it uh, it, it reminds me of, like, well, what we just mentioned, The Hidden, something like that, or some of, maybe some of John Carpenter's, like, more out-there stuff, like, Prince of Darkness and it starts out like really fun but it does take a radical nosedive particularly towards like maybe the last 30 minutes where it thinks it's getting really deep and important and it's just kind of like no you're just like a dumb sci-fi horror movie but I would say give it a watch anyway because it's enjoyable it has some tremendous when we're talking about movies about food the opening few opening scenes has some great looking greasy food in it Bokeem Woodbine uh, plays a supporting role.
1: Oh, he's awesome!
0: You know, he when he was like starting out in the nineties, I wasn't a fan of his, but he has turned into such a great character actor. And I wish the whole movie was just about him. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> like if it was like about him, I would be like, this is this is this is where it's at. But yeah, give it a watch. It's I mean, it's on Netflix, so you don't have to pay for it or go out of your way. Uh, but yeah, that's really. I mean, I've seen some other stuff. Uh, I've been watching a lot of. Uh, like, kung fu movies on Amazon Prime right now. Oh, nice. There's a there's a ton on there, so I've been doing that. But other than that, you know, just kind of, like, re-watching old hits. But anyway, so, yeah, let's run into what our episode is about. Keith, do you want to say it, or should I?
1: Yeah, from what I can gather from your, uh, your inane ramblings is we're counting down uh, some top movies where – Characters absolutely unravel and uh, descend into madness.
0: Yeah, it's like movies to lose your mind to, you know. So we're talking about stuff like The Machinist or Apocalypse Now, where like a character just, you know, slowly descends into madness, or even just movies that are just maybe the characters don't go crazy, but they're just crazy themselves, like Haxon, you know, something like that. So it's we're going to do our top five.
1: What we'll do is you'll you'll drop your top 5 and all sort of counter with an, another option. Yeah, oh we're going to sort of turn this into a little competition and then maybe we'll find out who who came up with the better list. I'm into that. We'll ask the people to decide and then it'll create some kind of uh, you know, rift between us and really up the tension for the next episode. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. Well, yeah, I do have some honorable mentions um First and foremost, uh, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention The Lighthouse uh, with Willem Dafoe that came out this past year. Uh, the only reason why I'm not putting it on my list is just because in keeping with our the, th- the theme of our show where we talk about more like underappreciated or just overlooked movies that have been kind of forgotten or just maybe movies that aren't really thought of as being like, you know, like maybe a movie, this is a great action movie, but it's not really thought of being an action movie, you know? Uh,
1: Yeah, I think we really want to stay away from kind of the commonly accepted movies. uh, The ones you might think of right off the bat, like The Shining. You know, we're not going to...
0: Exactly, yeah. I was just like, for me, it was like The the, the Lighthouse was so good and so much in in the theme of this. But it was also like pretty popular and very well received. And it's not like a thing that, and it's so recent that we don't need to talk about it. But I just got to say, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's free on Amazon Prime streaming right now. So you got to watch that one. Uh, some other picks of mine for
1: yeah, I think you know, the lighthouse too. Before before you go on, oh yeah, sorry. The lighthouse also was so blatantly presented as a descent into madness with these right. two guys. I mean, that was right. the whole hook. You know how how far are these guys gonna gonna drop, and you know what what is the extreme? Like, what is the level of insanity they're going to reach? And it actually reminded me of uh, the Simpsons episode where they're doing a team building exercise where everyone partners up and has to sort of climb this mountain in the oh, snow yeah, to yeah. get to a cabin and Homer gets partnered up with Mr. Burns. Right. And they get there to the cabin so early they have enough time to go insane and build snowmen equivalents of themselves and right. start hallucinating and yeah uh, yeah yeah. it to me, you know, it it really resonated in that way. So I still haven't yes. seen it, but I'm hoping uh, by the end, you know, we get to see a gang fight between uh, historical figures and, uh, you know, snowmen.
0: I'd say you're not, it's not that far off.
1: Tremendous. No spoilers. So,
0: you know, spoilers. But yeah, that's a, that's a, that one's a real trip if you if you haven't seen it yet. I'd definitely go out and check it out. Uh, some ones I threw on my honorable mention list would be uh, I, uh, like a uh, Gozu, the Takashi McKay movie from the 90s about like very like very like it's a Yakuza movie, but very David Lynchian kind of style. Uh, there's a woman who gives birth to a full grown man, stuff like that. Um, I I did put, I, you know, I, I did put a David Lynch movie on the honorable mentions, but the one I picked was Dune because.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: I think Dune is actually David Lynch's weirdest movie.
1: Even because, compared to, say, like, um, Mulholland Drive or... Right, um, yes,
0: because those are just, like, out there, like, it's knowledge like, hey, this is weird, it doesn't make sense. Dune, and and, and, David, and David Lynch is capable, too, of making non-weird movies. You look at, like, something like The Straight Story or Elephant Man, which the weirdest thing about Elephant Man is about it's about a guy who has, you know, deformity, but other than that, it's a pretty, like, straightforward film. Dune is his weirdest movie because it's like it's like if you meet a really weird person who's trying to act normal and that comes off even weirder.
1: So like he tried to make a normal a normal mo- like blockbuster movie but it's impossible for him to stay within the constraints of
0: Well, I don't know if it's impossible. Like I said, I don't know if it's impossible for him to make a non-weird movie because he has done some movies that aren't weird but like for whatever reason, that one comes off. It's just like it's. It's like I'm trying my hardest to not be weird, but I can't act like a normal person. But I can't do it, you know. And it, yeah, this comes off really weird and bizarre in tone to me. Actually, uh, I put one down on here. It's called a movie called Evil Ed. Oh yeah. Was, it was that was a movie that was shown to me by a friend of the podcast, Chad Opitz, many many years ago about a like a horror movie editor who's going crazy from editing horror movies. I put it on my honorable mentions because I actually don't really like the movie very much but there's a line at the end of the movie that is so funny and it only works in context of what you've seen up to that point. and the, the ending line of the movie had me laughing so hard that I would recommend the movie just for that. You got to watch the whole thing because if you don't watch, if you just watch the last uh, the last end and watch the line, it's not funny outside of the context. Sure. You know, but I'd give it, yeah, I would recommend it for that. Let's see. Do you have any honorable mentions or do you want to just get it straight into it? I
1: mean, it's so difficult really because there's so many, I mean, specifically horror movies just because I watch a lot of those. And so it's easy for off the top of my head to kind of think of movies like that, like, right. Um, you talk about a movie editor um there's actually a movie called this might actually need to be on my the main list um but it's called fade to black and uh-huh. it's a uh it's a 19 1980 horror movie it's about a just like a a lonely kind of quiet i wouldn't even call him like a malcontent but he's like a you know just a little bit ostracized from society and uh he's obsessed with movies and he ends up going on a uh, a killing spree while impersonating like film characters
0: so this is just basically uh based on your childhood is what you're saying
1: uh you can't prove that
0: well i mean i can't prove it
1: i was never I mean, convicted i'm not on trial here
0: no i'm not so no no one's no one's uh trying to get you in trouble or anything i'm just you know inspired by can we say inspired by
1: uh yeah, it might be uh based based upon true events of my life, but Okay. Like I said, you can't uh can't prove it. No. And then another honorable mention um I think is is very important and, and it sort of works in reverse is The Big Green.
0: The now, Big Green? Yeah, like this, the, the the soccer movie. Yes,
1: yeah, it's a 1990s soccer movie about some misfit kids in the loser town um you know, learning to believe in themselves through the power of soccer um Uh steve gutenberg stars as like kind of the head loser in town um but if you really look at the film the character of larry who's the goalie he starts out as kind of the you know he's a wisecracking chubby kid but he becomes the backbone of the team and his real issue is that when he gets afraid he starts hallucinating so he has some kind of a brain tumor or uh, schizophrenia. I mean, I'm no doctor, so I can't say for sure. But it starts out with mild you know, hallucinations when he starts playing, um, and he's very fearful of the ball. But it's really when he learns to embrace these wild fantasies and, and, and illusions that mm-hmm. they become his power. Um, he's able to finally actualize himself as a goalie and start becoming a value to the team and not just a big coward. Um, and by the end, his his delusions have elevated to a point that he himself becomes part of the delusion. He he imagines himself as, a, as a, a warrior, as a knight, you know, with weapons and armor and all of these things. And he's able to, you know, become an elite soccer goalie against... Uh, much much more skilled players. It's kind so of it's incredible. Smart. So he, I, I guess you could call it really an ascent into madness because by the time yeah. he's he's at, at top level crazy, uh, he's at his best and he helps his team win.
0: Well, you know what? I, I was just kind of realizing this as you're talking, I don't think I've ever seen the big green in its entirety.
1: From beginning I've... to end, it yeah. is 140 minutes. Or no way, it's an hour and 40 minutes. That's not the same thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a hundred that's minutes. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, it's an hour and 40 minutes, and uh, it's densely packed with story. It's a surprising film, and I think it's definitely worth a watch. I guess I had a lot more to say about this, that it probably doesn't, like Fade to Black, it kind of deserves a little bit more than honorable mention, but uh, here we are.
0: Well. I mean, you already blew your chance, so I mean, it's, it stays on the honorable mention list. There's no it. Right. in it. Um, that's, yeah, I'll have, maybe I'll have to go because I, I mean, I've definitely seen parts of it on like t- television or whatnot, but I've never sat down and watched it start to finish. So maybe I'm going to have to go and uh, give this a, a view and then see how crazy you are for just p- for picking that movie to begin with.
1: Right. And I mean, as an adult, too, you look at things with different eyes than a child might. Sure. While a child might, you know, think it's fun and imaginative and just silly, um you know as an adult your your values and your perception changes and so it's it's a totally different movie so i definitely think it's worth a look
0: all right well cool well you want to get into the meat of it then
1: no we're gonna pause no? for a second because i'm gonna okay. go to the bathroom I don't know. <laughs> stand by
0: all right should i just keep talking while you're peeing or whatever or is it one or two i think he's gone everybody do you think he's taking pe- a number one or a number two or do you think he actually has to go to the bathroom? Do you think he's getting snacks? I know Keith pretty well. And I think there's a fair chance he's getting snacks. But if for some reason he's embarrassed to say that. Like there's a weird like mental thing where if he, he feels like if he tells you that he's eating snacks. That you're going to want some of his snacks. Even though you can't have them. I mean like he's not going to have to share them with you. I don't know. If he is going number one. I'm going to venture to say that his urine is probably fairly discolored because he doesn't drink a lot of water. He drinks a lot of energy drinks, things like that, Mountain Dew, I think, Code Red. I don't know if he drinks the Code Red, but it's, he doesn't drink water. He, if he does drink water, it's some sort of weird water with a funny name. Like, a, like he was, I saw he was on Instagram, he was like drinking some water called Liquid Death and I was like, what are you drinking? And he was like, it's water. That's very strange. So if it's number two, um, I guess he probably ate some Taco Bell recently. So you do the math there. If he's getting snacks, I know he likes like, a, like you know, the, the so when you get this little pinwheel sandwiches, he likes those a lot.
1: So How did you know that? What's that? How did you know that I liked pinwheel sandwiches?
0: Because I've been to your house and there's always pinwheel sandwiches. There. No,
1: that can't be right. <laughs>
0: I mean, you said, how do I know? And I'm just telling you.
1: (laughs) I think maybe I got some for the one time you came over. uh, I've been over your house
0: more than once, Keith. Yes. I've been over your house multiple times. And let me tell you something. Like, I just know things about you, all right? That's the funny thing. A
1: friend of mine actually always has, like, literally always has pinwheels whenever he has people over because he goes Mm -hmm. to Costco to get the big, like, pinwheel um, platter. And uh, I have since lost a lot of interest in those just because he sort of run it into the ground.
0: (laughs) Well, while you were, while you were gone doing whatever it is you're doing, I just revealed a lot of private information about you, about your drinking habits, eating habits.
1: Yeah. I actually Uh, came back much earlier than you thought. And I was listening to some of it. So once, once we get off the air, yeah, we're going to hash this out a little bit and (laughs) settle, settle the score a little bit. Don't worry about it.
0: All right. Well, okay. So, Yeah, let's get into the countdown. Let's get into the back. Okay, so let me see. I wrote these in a certain order, but now since you're going to do the point-counterpoint, I think I'm going to read them in a different order than I wrote them. So, The first movie I am going to mention is a movie from 1981 called Evil Speak, starring Clint Howard, where he plays a teenager at a military school who's bullied by all the other cadets, and he turns to Satanism, to exact revenge on them, as he goes mad with anger, but the way he conjures up the demons and uh, satanic beings that he needs for his revenge is he does it using a computer. Have um, you ever seen this movie, Keith?
1: I have seen this movie. Um, I it's been such an incredible movie for just um, iconic imagery and moments. Yeah. Uh, there's tons of just absolutely wild visuals. Although I say overall, I don't think the movie is quite as much fun to watch as it might seem. It's a little bit of a...
0: It's definitely like a greatest hits, you know, like a type of thing where if you, you know, there's a couple, there's a couple real good jams on the album, but it, you could cut out the filler and just listen to... uh. The best songs, you know, if you could just if you could just skip the tracks. Yeah,
1: when you put all the highlights together, it's unbelievable. But yeah, I think um, it's right on the money. Um, you know, when you push someone too far, uh and the internet is available, uh this they is can is pre internet.
0: This is just like he uses a computer like program that he writes, you know, using like DOS or something. I don't know.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Uh, what's great about this movie is because one, it's not just it's not just about his descent into the madness, but the movie is just fucking mad itself. The whole premise.
1: Yeah, it's a military school,
0: right? It's a military school. He's bullied by the students, the teachers. He's going to exact his revenge. And he goes, I need Satan. I need the devil. I need demons. How am I going to get them? I'm going to use computers. And one of the things I love is in the 80s, how computers were just like the answer to, to things you know like you watch uh, horror and sci-fi movies from the 50s and it's always radiation that's that's uh caused the monster or done something and then like in the 90s and early 2000s it was things that were genetically modified and now it's like nanotech but in the 80s it was computers you know like oh even, yeah like, definitely really,
1: like weird science
0: weird science or even like in really good movies like uh Cronenberg's The Fly you know like uh seth brundle is just asking his, his computer questions and that's how he's like discovering science so he goes hey computer what's this and the computer just tells him yeah <laughs> you know i love i love that stuff.
1: yeah the computers are insanely smart or like uh war games and ways right. of that type it's like oh computers make everything so simple that it's terrifyingly easy to engage in a thermonuclear uh conflict with foreign countries
0: or have you ever seen a have you ever seen Remo Williams with a, a Fred Ward? Yes. And like a, how Wilford Brimley is like his boss, who's basically on his computer all the time on essentially on the dark web, before the internet even exists. Yeah, so he's the, like I'm the, getting we're information we're... about terrorists on my computer, and he's just like opening up Word documents, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I picked that one for those reasons. It's a big hoot, you know, for those key scenes. If, if you're ever – if you're watching it and like you said, if it is a little slow, you can just – you could skip ahead a scene or two and you're not, and you're not missing much of the plot because like if you just know that bullies computers Satan, that's all you need to know. And when you get to those moments where like the pentagram appears in like those – that old like green computer screen font, it's beautiful.
1: I might have some misgivings about it, but it's pretty much largely regarded as one of those unsung classics. Um, mm-hmm. I think any any horror fan worth their salt would do well to watch it annually. I mean, Clint Howard overall is kind of a national treasure. He really oh, yeah. came out from under the shadow of his uh, much more talented and successful uh, cousin or brother
0: brother and father both of them
1: wow yeah uh ron howard ron howard Um, and
0: rance howard the dad
1: rance howard
0: rance howard that
1: used to be such a popular name it's crazy like if you read old books from like the 40s and 50s like Uh, there's always someone named rance
0: oh yeah and you know what else uh you get to see clint howard's butt in this movie too so you know Oh, that's, a hot com- that's a hot commodity right there.
1: Anytime I can see the partial nudity, um, I'm excited.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, often a question I have when someone you know someone sends me a text saying, like, oh, I just watched this movie. You should check it out. And I go, does anyone hang dong in it? And if the answer is no, uh, I might still watch it, but it's definitely on the back, gets put on the back. Yeah, it's a
1: much list. lower priority.
0: You know, it's like I, I, you know, it's it's not jumping to my number one or two spot. It's it's down at the bottom, and I'll you know might get to it eventually. But
1: so he uses computers and the occult to mm-hmm. get revenge. But so what? How? What is the his descent? Well, like?
0: first it just kind of just starts out like normal, like you know, getting mad, right? You know, like like you know, kids are picking on him. He gets mad, he gets hurt, and then he just kind of snaps one day. He snaps. You know, he's like, he. Was, you know, he could just go on like a stabbing spree. That would be a much more, um, you know.
1: Right, or set the building re- on fire. Or right. You throw know, a normal, live grenade into the armory or something like that.
0: The normal type of things you would expect from, a, you know, someone push their edge in these situation. But, you know, he he's just a little bit more creative, you know. Uh, he was, you know, new to computers were kind of a newer thing in the early 80s, and he just kind of wanted to make the most of it you know he's just like what are the practical uses for computers you know like the you couldn't really play games on them at that time besides like you know the most basic of games like something like pong or something Uh, even if you you know even if you typed up something on you know for writing access to printers wasn't as available so you might as well just use a typewriter what are the practical uses of computers in 1980 the only one I can think of is demon practices the, the occult satanic rituals that's it I mean, unless you have a better idea
1: well I think evil speak is a, uh, a perfectly serviceable recommendation but um, if you're looking for a good old fashioned uh, spree of violence I would actually recommend um, 2011's kill list
0: that's uh, the what, Ben Wheatley, right?
1: Yes, Ben Wheatley.
0: Uh, I've I have not seen that one. Uh, I've heard it's great, and I heard it like takes like a pretty like radical shift in tone because it doesn't start out like it's a movie about a hitman. Like it starts out pretty like straightforward. Like I'm a hitman, then all of a sudden it gets into like some weird occult type scenarios, right?
1: Yeah, it starts out a couple of old buddies are working as contract killers, as as one does. One of them is trying to get out of the business. he Something goes south during one of his recent contracts, and he's ready to be done with the entire business. He's kind of lost his edge, and he just wants to live a normal life with his wife and relax and you not have to murder people anymore. So as him and his wife are kind of running out of money, he goes on kind of one last job he meets the client for this job which is you know it's all very mysterious and ominous um and he gets a list of three people and then um you know he the the weird part is the employer actually ends up cutting his hand and they both kind of sign the contract in blood Um, so you know you kind of are on this journey of oh here's a you know here's a pretty standard hitman movie these guys are dirty but this is all very real world and then it It does take a strange turn once they sign the contract in blood. And as they begin to, you know, start moving through the targets, um, you know, the main character starts to become really unhinged and kind of lose control of himself uh, as they progress. And it just gets worse and worse. And then finally builds towards um, a terrifying conclusion. But with each, each progressive target, the targets have information revealed about themselves uh, that is upsetting to the main character, and he he kind of reacts in just uh increasingly violent and off the wall ways. Um, and then by the end, it's it kind of builds to just an incredibly sickening and violent crescendo.
0: I've been meaning to check this one out, and now you're just giving me a great rec- reminder to go and do that. Uh... Since we're you know, since you brought this up, it made me thinking about a different movie that I didn't have on the list, but would be just as good, uh, you know, just as placed here as anything else. Is for some reason Ben Wheatley, uh, he always remind him and the what's the director, the director of the Raid. Do You know, can you remember his name?
1: Uh, yeah, that is uh, Gareth Evans.
0: Right. The for some reason they. Uh, they they are they have their own styles, but for some reason I always kind of think of them in the same, uh, same thought. Yeah. And he had a you know he obviously he's most famous for the raid and the raid two, but he had a movie that came out like a year or two ago on Netflix called Apostle. That kind of flew under the radar. Um, which is about you know a weird island with occult practices and human sacrifice and. Stars Dan Stevens and Michael Sheen. And that was just one hell of a ride. If uh, you watched it, right?
1: Oh no, I haven't seen it yet. Um, oh, you haven't watched it yet? Yeah. So please don't spoil anything. I for won't to
0: spoil anything, but like to you and to everyone else, that is one movie that I can one hundred percent endorse that everyone should go out and watch right now. The Apostle on Netflix. Great, great, great movie, and totally in tone with what we're talking about today my next choice we're going back to 1963 and traveling across the pacific ocean to to japan for a movie called matango which is directed by ishiro honda who is most famous for directing godzilla films he directed most of like the first Era he uh, era of Godzilla films. He directed the first one, and then he didn't do the second one, but he did the next few after that. Took a break, came back. Uh, Was often also uh, an assistant director on a lot of Kurosawa films. And he directed one of my favorite horror movies from the sixties, which is this one called The Tango. Which starts out kind of uh, with a Gilligan's Island type premise, without the comedy. But it's a bunch of people on a tour boat, like a small tour boat, and one of them's a famous writer, and one of them's a singer, and some people are just random, you know, people who are just there. But the ship gets caught in a storm and washes up up on this island, deserted island, with these strange, strange mushrooms growing on it.
1: Wow, look out for uh, mysterious vegetation.
0: Oh, you watch out for it, because it turns out after a while they're not alone there are some mushroomy type people on that island and this movie works one i just kind of like the look of movies from that era and it works on a couple levels though in terms of in terms of going to madness there's the there's the madness of them being just like trapped on this island and them fighting with each other and tensions growing but then also eventually they start eating these mushrooms that not only drive them crazy but mutate them into giant mushrooms and there are all other also other mushroom people who have been there from previous shipwrecks who are kind of you know stalking them and it gets into this some weird trippy psychedelic madness that is just a riot and it, that this is another one that's available on amazon prime you can stream it for free if you have that uh there's some good song and dance numbers in it too. So,
1: <laughs> well, that sounds fun and wacky. I mean, it's a little re- bit lighter than the normal uh, descent into madness.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely like a Saturday afternoon uh, <laughs> trip down trip down the madness lane. But yeah, that would be that would definitely be my my next pick right there.
1: You really stumped me on that one. Yeah, what are you going <laughs> to
0: come up with that, huh? You got, a, you got a counterpoint for that one? You got a better movie about Japanese pleasure seekers turning into mushrooms?
1: If you really want to talk about pleasure seekers, gosh, it, let's take it back to uh, 2011 again. Uh, oh, Mark yeah. Pellington directed a movie called I Melt With You.
0: Not familiar with that one at all. Yeah, it was of kind it. of
1: an house independent movie, um, but there's quite a few familiar faces. Uh, Thomas Jane... Uh, Jeremy Piven, Rob Lowe uh, are all yeah. in it. And uh, they play a group of friends from college who they're all successful in their own way. One is an author with a published book who also teaches high school. Uh, one is a, a doctor that caters to the rich and wealthy, but sort of there's always a catch with each of them, right? He's a successful doctor, but you know all of his patients are drug addicts because he just uh, writes prescriptions for them. And then another one is a stockbroker, but he's, you know, in being investigated uh, by the SEC. And then, um, you know, one uh, was in a very happy relationship, but he, you know, accidentally caused a fatal car accident that, you know, took his his partner and um, one of his relatives. And so everybody is kind of in a state of everything's good, but my life did not turn out the way I had hoped. And they all kind of have this nagging kind of haunting monkey on their back in various ways. And so they meet up for, uh, for a a week of partying at this mansion in Big Sur, California. Um, There's like a, you know, small beach town nearby. Uh, They start drinking and doing a lot of drugs and just going hog wild. And, you know, as the partying progresses, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of, skeletons in the closets become revealed and, you know, start having an effect on each other. And then, you know, after an e- excessive night of, of really rowdy partying, um, the next day, one of the, one of the party goers, he actually commits suicide. And, um, that does not go over well with the group and they spend the rest of the movie, Uh, trying to cover up that suicide. And uh, also, you know, they begin to get at each other's throats and the uh, bonds of friendship completely unravel. And, you know, by the end, there aren't too many folks left to uh, tell the tale.
0: I'm a little distressed by your description of this movie because uh, based on the title, I was expecting all the characters to, like, melt.
1: Yeah, you expected some kind of like uh, nacho cheese, right? Climax or uh... it turns
0: into like you know like they just they uh, you know like one of them one of them melts, you know they take some like tortilla chips, dip it in there, eat that turns them to melt. I mean, see this this is what you're missing is the beauty of a movie like Matango is there's the mushroom people, and they spawn mushrooms, and then if you eat the mushrooms, you turn to become a mushroom. Someone in this movie, uh, I Met With You, should have turned into the nacho cheese, they eat that guy, and then they all turn into just, like, one mass of nacho cheese. That's a movie I would watch.
1: Yeah, or, or they'll enter <laughs> one micro, one giant microwave together and, uh, oh my and God. hit, you know, five minutes on high and become a, a single mass of humanity and come out. Like, when you, when you have those thin bars of soap left, you can put them all together and in the microwave and melt them into one single bar of soap to uh you know to save resources and you know not be wasteful
0: and the big twist at the end if you had something like that if them all getting into this microwave is you know like it could be like the you know like the end of men in black where it turns out that they're all in a marble you know the whole universe is in a marble they could have gotten in the microwave and someone else could have opened it up and started eating them like nachos, but it's a, it's a giant alien. And this whole time they thought that they were in Big Sur, but really they were just part of this microwave in this alien's space kitchen. These are these are the type of films that I'm interested in. Not these this nonsense about Rob Lowe feeling bad about being a shitty doctor.
1: Yeah, self-actualization and friendship. Who needs it?
0: Yeah out of well,
1: here well it's interesting to me because these, these questions are being asked by these movies are, are not far off you know on the one hand uh, this movie is asking is life better as a mushroom should you make the jump to the other side and um, I Melt With You is asking is the dead better should you not be alive huh. in order to alleviate the suffering of existence well, it's both every, very existential films.
0: Maybe they have more in common than I thought. And let me tell you something. From Matango, every person who turns into a mushroom is always like to the other person, like, come join us, come be a mushroom. It's fucking awesome. And they're like, no, 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 I don't want to be a mushroom. But no one has regrets about being turned into a mushroom. So maybe the real message we should be taking away here is that if a mushroom talks to you, you do what the mushroom says.
1: I mean, why wouldn't you? I I would... Nine times out of ten, I would trust a fungus if it if it offered me some kind of proposition.
0: Well, I mean, honestly, before before this movie came out, I probably wouldn't, or be, I mean, before I saw the movie, I probably wouldn't uh, have trusted the mushroom. But now, I definitely would. I learned my lesson.
1: It's a powerful lesson indeed.
0: <laughs> All right, moving along. Next movie. Well, so initially, when I was going to make my list, I was I wanted to do something like have them madness movies by genre. You know, like, here's a horror movie about someone going into madness, and here's a kid's movie, and here's a Western. And that didn't really work out. But I was able to maintain and have a children's movie on here. Initially, I thought about picking The Peanut Butter Solution. Are you familiar with that movie?
1: I'm familiar with this solution, yes.
0: So for those of you who don't know what The Peanut Butter Solution is, it's about a little kid, a Canadian child, who goes into a haunted house, sees ghosts that died in a fire, so they're all burn victim ghosts, gets so scared that all of his hair falls out. Then I think one of the ghosts gives him a recipe to grow his hair, um, but he uses too much. It's like a peanut butter recipe. He mixed peanut butter with this other crap, and then he puts it on his head, but he uses too much, and his hair grows at such an alarming rate. And then he gets kidnapped by an artist named The Senor who uses his hair to make paintbrushes that he can paint pictures that he can step into the pictures. Um, The reason why, and it is definitely one mad, mad movie, the reason why I didn't pick it on here is because I can't actually recommend it as a movie to watch and enjoy. It's more of just like a bizarrety of why you might want to check it out, but it's not really like pleasurable to watch it so i did find to think of another movie though going for you going even further back in time to 1953 the five th- thousand fingers of dr t do you know this one
1: i've never heard of this movie
0: so this movie was written the screenplay was written by dr seuss it's a live action movie and it's about a young boy who who travels to a magical magical kingdom with his plumber, his family plumber, to rescue child prisoners from a tyrannical piano teacher, who has a bunch of children in a dungeon playing thousands of pianos all day every day.
1: And eventually, they'll write the great greatest symphony of all time.
0: Something like that. Um, the way the best way I could describe this movie is you remember that movie whiplash that came out a few years ago yes about the extra mean jazz teacher it's like that it It is about
1: an extra mean jazz teacher (laughs) (laughs) that's it
0: (laughs) it's like it's like that with a 1950s combined with a 1950s acid trip and if you ever wondered what a 1950s acid trip looked like because you know you always see what acid trips in movies they always look like they always have like a 60s 1960s kind of aesthetic this is what a 1950s acid trip looks like. and
1: It sounds very wholesome and educational, but it's just on such a grand scale that it's upsetting.
0: It's really weird. I mean, like, you know, remember when the Grinch, like the Jim Carrey Grinch movie came out and it got all this praise for, like, translating the visual look of Dr. Seuss to the screen? If no. that's
1: true, how come nobody liked a Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers? I don't know. Or wait, was it Cat in the Hat?
0: I, yeah, I didn't, I don't know. Yeah, that movie's uh,
1: wild. I watched that in a bar once, and uh, oh yeah, I've never seen it. It was
0: surreal. But the mov- the movie that actually one hundred percent does translate Dr. Seuss's drawings world to the screen perfectly, is this one, and the results are not wholesome. The live action translation is creepy, weird, and unsettling but also slightly delightful. So
1: so there's an element of whimsy to it.
0: Right. If you have if you have children, if any of our listeners have children out there and you want to trick them into watching something a little bit more intense, you know, like, oh, hey, you want to watch this kids' movie, but really you're trying to try to play a prank on them. This is the movie. That. It's a lot of fun. I, I'd have to recommend
1: it. I mean, that's tremendous. You're coming coming to your at-bat here with uh, a lot of really interesting movies and a lot of movies I've never seen. And sometimes I marvel at the sheer volume of movies that you've consumed and remember. Because I feel like I have a, a finite amount of memory. Um, there's kind of the long-term movies that made an impact on me as a kid. But then uh-huh. since then... There's a just a finite amount of shelf space in my brain for uh, a lot of movies, especially since I stopped purchasing movies uh, years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's like, oh, if it uh, if it doesn't make a strong impact on me, it'll kind of just disappear and fade into nothing. But you seemingly have this ability to just conjure and catalog and 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 recall all of these incredible entries i remember the same thing happened when we did our underrated horror countdown you had some really cool uh picks from kind of the first half of the the 20th century oh thank you yeah you're a real connoisseur
0: (laughs) well you know there uh, there used to be a time when this is literally all i ever did like my movie conception and sadly is not what it used to be um but you still every,
1: watch a movie almost every day. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean,
0: well that well one it used to be like three movies a day, and uh, I used to have a lot more patience too. I like I would not shut off bad movies hardly ever. Right. I was just like like okay I'm in I'm in this for the long haul, and now I'm just like I'll shut off a movie pretty quickly most of the time now. Um, but I mean I've been doing a lot of catch up since we've been you know, at home during this pandemic but honestly uh, it, nowadays if I don't see a movie in the theater my likelihood to eventually see it drops significantly even if it's a movie I really want to see oh. um, if yeah, if I don't see if I don't go to the theater if it, it'll just end up on like some like you know my queue list on like Netflix or Hulu or whatever and it will sit there for a very 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 long time and that list just gets bigger and bigger and bigger so yeah, I, it is kind of fun that I've been able to catch up a little bit lately, but yeah, I definitely not definitely don't have the consumption I used to have, which would, li- like I said, it would literally be like, I'd go to the video store or the library and come home with like 12 VHS tapes, watch them all in a few days and then go back and do it again. You know, I didn't have a lot of friends.
1: I can't imagine why. <laughs> it's strange to think about that, too, because you're one of the people I know as someone who knows a lot of people. And, uh-huh. um, you know, who you are now is very delightful indeed. There's an element of whimsy to you. Oh, and you. Uh, it, it's hard to imagine that all those years ago you were sort of this uh, antisocial, like, misanthrope, just... Oh yeah, boxed up you know drawing goofy cartoons and and watching you know six hours or nine hours of movies a day
0: that was me that was me times change i guess so the thing is about times changing we're gonna switch decades again
1: oh wait i i have, a, have like, a counter oh, wait, there for you, you have the counter. i'm sorry i yeah. know you like the sound of your own voice <laughs> i but... love it <laughs>
0: Well, what I really like is though is like I think our voices are not that different. So when you're talking, I just imagine. Right, it's it me. just
1: sounds like you yeah. if you were more more dynamic and resourceful and charismatic.
0: Oh, very dynamic.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I'd like to counter that with uh, 1991's "Nothing But Trouble," Ooh. which is while the characters. The main characters, the central pro tags, if you will, of this movie may not quite descend into madness. Uh, if you watch this movie, you will likely descend into madness.
0: That movie's fucking insane.
1: It's it's absolutely wild, and it's it's kind of famous for uh, a troubled production. It definitely has a lot of cool.
0: Wait, would you say that the production had nothing but trouble happening on it?
1: Yeah, and. Uh, I'd I'd go so far as to say Dan Aykroyd had too much cocaine when he was Mm. writing and conceptualizing this film. Because this, if anybody's going to have a, you know, last episode we talked about Max Landis and his Star Mm -hmm. Wars. If anything, this is Dan Aykroyd's Star Wars (laughs) that never got (laughs) off the ground.
0: Um, Well, it's funny when you say, like, he had, like, too much cocaine when he was writing this. I think maybe this is the movie where his original script made it to the screen in, in its most entirety than any of his other movies. Cause if you like watch anything about like the making of like blues brothers or, uh, ghostbusters, uh, ghostbusters, his original scripts for those are completely different and completely yeah. wild. Like the original like script for ghostbusters, they go into it in great detail about like, there's that Netflix show, the, the movies that made us. Yes. And I knew about some of this stuff before, but like the, the extent that they talk about how wacky his script was, like it took place in the future in outer space. And like everybody was a ghostbuster or like that was a very common job that people had. Yes. You know, it was like being like, I'm it's a like plumber. ghost janitor. Yeah. And, and, and and it's just wacky and insane. And then they like he presented it out, like, well, we like the idea. The studio's like, we like the idea of making a movie about people who catch ghosts. But this is just garbage and would cost a million billion dollars. So, can you do something else? She's like, okay, I'll just do this. And uh, talking about our old buddy John Landis, we do who <laughs> he. I've heard him talk about Blues Brothers and he's talking about all the stuff he just cut out. Where it's like. Yeah, like that. Dan Aykroyd had all these like explanations for why the car could do all this stuff, and had, like had like this, all this crap in it about uh, it being a radioactive car and having all these like modifications to the cop car. And that's why it could do all the jumps and flips. And John Lasseter was like, "It's just a magic car, you know. You just don't you don't explain it. It just does it, you know. And cut yeah. all that stuff out, you know."
1: Well, it's a, it's a miracle. They're on a mission from God. Exactly. Right. So we talked about that. (laughs) We talked about word economy and like, but that's what, right? That's what cocaine does to people. It makes them just blabber on and like over explain everything and overthink and over rationalize. And I feel like that's what happened because I mean, this movie is so strange. And all you have to do is watch the trailer because it's literally about rich, good looking yuppies played by Chevy Chase and Demi Moore. And they get stuck in a small town. Um, It unfolds really like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, where people get stuck in a small town and this increasingly upsetting cast of absolute mutants who resemble characters from like Dick Tracy and Freaked and like every terrifying like like monster movie you've ever seen. They just are paraded out one after another.
0: What's crazy about this movie is it's not just that the that they're all these weird monsters. It's just that the rest of the movie is, doesn't have that tone. It's like it's set in the real world, but then all of a sudden there's gigantic like uh, – Like pig creatures. De- de- deformed like – yeah, twin babies that are just people in gigantic rubber suits. Yeah. And it, it just it, – it, like it looks so out of place from the rest of the sh- movie it's just out of it just comes when I, when, I, when these things start showing up. It's so out of the blue and so tonally different that it is like mentally upsetting.
1: When one of the one of the main characters is a roller coaster, oh yeah, like one of the villains of the movie is a roller coaster. Oh man, it, is it sentient? Is it not? That's anybody's guess. It's truly, it's really an incredible movie. So the these two folks they get held hostage in this, you know, weird, you know, redneck town with all these mutants. There's an insane 107-year-old judge
0: with a penis for a nose. Yeah. Uh
1: Digital Underground makes a cameo. You know, Tupac Shakur is also in this movie inexplicably. Um but yeah, the the judge ends up, you know, like murdering people on the the roller coaster which is nicknamed Mr. Bone Stripper. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> No, eventually um, the main characters end up getting back to New York and inform the police of what's going on. But mm-hmm. there's like a conspiracy that they're, the city, New York City police are in league with this small small town redneck. Um, and, uh, you know, the I'm going to reveal the twist ending because it's so hilarious. The, it turns out the judge ends up deciding to move his family to New York City. And Chevy Chase uh, just like flips out and loses his mind.
0: <laughs> well, that's a, that, that's just a classic move, right it's there. It's
1: incredible. It's you you owe it to yourself to watch Nothing But Trouble at least once in your life. Um, you can either thank me by mailing me a, a wonderful card, or you can uh, you show up to my front door and you know slug me in the in the face. But
0: so, do you think maybe this is a prequel to the other? Che- uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd movie *Neighbors*, where he moves Dan Aykroyd moves in next door to John Belushi in the city, and just drives him nuts. Yeah, it could recast... be it could be in the
1: same universe. Um, I they think they
0: recast uh John Belushi's character with Chevy Chase since John Belushi had died of drugs.
1: Oh, that's fascinating. Out of some kind of uh, maybe guilt. Yeah. Boy, we're just gonna make uh, enemies left and right here. It's it started with uh. Uh, Whit Hertford, and now it's Max Landis and John Landis, and now we're moving on to uh Dan Aykroyd and the Belushi family.
0: Well, you know what? Bring it on, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: we haven't had a we haven't had a good old fashioned grudge match on this show in a while. So if you guys want to come on and duke it out, we're here. We're waiting.
1: Yeah, we're not as afraid of these Hollywood bigwigs. Nah. <laughs> wait, wait. Here's my favorite part. Here's my favorite part. The story was developed after a screening of the 1987 film Hellraiser that producer Robert K. Weiss attended with Dan and Peter Ackroyd.
0: Wow.
1: Weiss had a fractured rib and suggested the three attend a film to take his mind off the injury and that it couldn't be a comedy because it hurt him to laugh, which is why the Aykroyd brothers chose a horror film. Once the movie started and the three saw the audience laughing at the film, Weiss suggested that they make a horror comedy together since audiences wanted to laugh and be scared at the same time. Peter Aykroyd related an event in which Dan had been pulled over for speeding in upstate New York and was taken to the Justice of the Peace to stand trial in what Dan referred to as a, quote, kangaroo court. And after he was fined $50, the Justice of the Peace invited Dan to stay for tea and he ended up staying there for four hours. (laughs) (laughs) So based on that alone, the origin of nothing but trouble, it is a must-watch. And now I'm disappointed I didn't put this closer to number one. But
0: honestly, like I think, uh, I think uh, uh, this is giving me a new appreciation for the movie, and I kind of want to go back and watch it again. Yeah, if there's, there's a, I, mean, I, probably haven't, I haven't probably even seen it since like mid '90s.
1: I'm hoping that there's some kind of uh, you know like top shelf Blu-ray release that has some like a behind the scenes uh, oh, yeah. documentary. I know that one of the like variety or one of those kind of entertainment trade magazines put out a, like an oral history um, kind of a thing, like a, a really like seven page article or something like that. That's pretty good. I'm going to hunt that down and I'll try to uh, uh, share that or post that somewhere so everyone can read it. Uh, but oh, I remember nice. checking that out. And it was really good.
0: Yeah. I, to, I definitely would like, like to take a peek at that. All right. Well, Next up, like I said, we're going back to 1987 to a movie that takes place hundreds of years before that in ancient China, and that movie is called Chinese Ghost Story, directed by I hope I'm saying his name right, Su Tong Ching, and this came out in the 80s in that era where you know in the eighties in, in in China and in Hong Kong there movies like there were like kind of like supernatural kung fu movies were very popular. Movies like uh, Zoo Warriors from the Magic Mountain, uh, movies that played a lot of gave a lot of influence to Big Trouble in Little China, uh, and this is this is one. I don't have a ton to say about this one, other than there's a, just a couple moments that definitely. Make it a uh, worthy contender for this list. It's and just
1: a very surreal movie. Like, even if you just watch any clips or the trailer, like, it has some incredible images, and the way it's shot and filmed was, like, really way ahead of its time.
0: Oh, yeah. It's very. It's a very good looking movie. It's a very good movie. I'm not, I mean, I'm, when I say I don't have a ton to say about it, that doesn't have anything to do with its quality. It's a great movie.
1: Uh, but it is a two- really a very visual movie.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, like, there's two things to, to me that put this on the list is one it's the main villain of this movie is a possessed demon tree with a gigantic tongue and when i say gigantic tongue i mean the tongue is hundreds of feet long and that's just wacky but the number one main thing for me in this is there's a portion in the movie where one of the characters is a taoist priest and out of the blue he, and keep, once again, keep in mind that this is a period piece movie that takes place, you know, in ancient China. Out of the blue, he busts into a rap about the Taoist religion, describing all of its tenets. Dancing, rapping, there's no build up to this. The movie is not a musical in any other way, and no other point does any character break out in the song or dance. But all of a sudden, he just does this rap wraps over the movie continues on as normal with no and no one acts like this is weird or out of place it's so crazy and unexpected I mean I just ruined it for everybody but if you go into it like if you're just watching the movie you've never seen it and haven't heard this it's just mind boggling
1: What, what can you say about Chinese ghost story I mean I think a lot of people in kind of cult movie circles have have heard of it and know about it but uh yeah, I think you're right on the money. It's just a it's a, a feast to look at and uh you know, it's one of those movies too you can watch you know with the the subtitles on and follow the plot or you can just turn that off and maybe put music to it and see how how that grabs you.
0: Oh yeah, you know what's another movie that's great for that is a it's a movie called uh, uh it's in, it's an Italian movie horror movie from the 80s. From the same director as, like, The Church, and I can't remember his name at the moment, The Church and uh, Cemetery Man. It's a movie, it's called La Seta, but it's sometimes in America, it's called The Devil's Daughter. And it's about, like, this woman who finds a hole to hell in her basement, and a pelican comes out of it. And the pelican, like, has sex with her, and she gives birth to an egg that a demon hatches from. We may have talked about this on the show before, but it's not, like an engaging movie narrative wise and I remember watching it and I did that same thing. I turned the sound off and I started playing like black metal, heavy metal music and the movie became one hundred percent more engaging watching it that way than actually just trying to read the plot. And now I would say the, the plot of Chinese ghost story is great too, but like you just said, it's so visual you don't you could watch it without it. You got a counter <laughs> a counter pick, <laughs> Keith? What's so what's going on?
1: See, that's a tough one. That's uh, I mean, I'm right, right there with you. I think that's, uh, I'm just like reeling because I'm remembering back all the, kind of amazing.
0: Do you know what I? You want to know what I think from what Chinese ghost story? What's, what's really going on? As I think you're sitting there, mowing down, chowing down on some uh pinwheel sandwiches.
1: No, there's no pinwheels. Does it sound and, like I'm chewing? Don't make me self-conscious.
0: Well, I mean, maybe you're just you know putting your hand over the mic temporarily you have to wait to you have to wait to swallow before you can respond i mean there is a
1: mute button but i have been this entire episode i've been thinking about taco bell though unfortunately well don't forget to follow me on instagram at keith is a cult uh if you want to see me eating taco bell because i might start we'll definitely see it start filming my weekly I don't go to Taco Bell weekly, but maybe if it, I get enough people watching, then maybe I will.
0: Maybe you get sponsored by Taco Bell. You become their new spokesman.
1: Uh yeah, a Taco Bell sponsorship would be tremendous, but what we're really looking for is uh, uh uh shutter shutter.com. Go there now to get your free 30-day trial and uh stream all the your favorites from history of yesterday and today.
0: Well, Keith, I was actually going to wait and save save this as a surprise for the end of the show, but since you brought it up, I have been in contact with Shudder. They are sponsoring us, and they have given us a discount code.
1: That's not true. Don't go to Shudder.com and try to use this code. For
0: our listeners, and it's a very generous discount code. If you go to Shudder and enter the discount code, the trash heap, you will get five years free of Shudder. So for all of our listeners, and and they also said they might have be it's a new – they they've never introduced a discount code this massive before, so there might be some technical difficulties when you enter it. If uh, you do, they said just to email their customer support, mention the trash heap, tell them about the problems you're having, and they'll get it fixed right away.
1: Well, what's going to happen here is that we're going to get sued, and you're not going to get five years of shutter and uh... – Say goodbye to the trashy. <laughs> <laughs> so then my counter here is, um, it's actually a French movie from 2004 called Calvaire.
0: Oh, I love Calvaire.
1: And it's, uh, which that means the ordeal or the struggle. Um, and it's, it's basically the story of a, a young man, a traveling singer who I believe he breaks down on the side of the road. Um, in a kind of a mountainous rural area and he finds a very strange village and meets one oddball character after another and sees one upsetting event and image after another and it just intensifies until there's an ending here that you can't see coming and it's literally a man essentially breaking down mentally and emotionally until there's almost nothing left. This is, this is a movie that's going to leave you feeling very drained emotionally, and uh, it's very bleak, and um, it really is similar to Nothing But Trouble. It has that feel of going into a rural area and Finding peeling back the layers just to find the the most violent and upsetting and disturbing things you could possibly see so you know it also has give it a look
0: has like the has like like a chinese ghost story it has a somewhat out of the blue song and dance number
1: yes it is very musically inclined it's and so, not a,
0: it's not as like random you know it, it's still set that it's 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 not like it's not as Like out as out of the blue, but it's still kind of like, oh, didn't wasn't expecting that uh, scene here. It's not like a musical number, it's more just like people singing and dancing in a scene. But it's you have the idea that they've done this together plenty of times before, and that's why it's so well choreographed and in sync with each other, yes.
1: And that's the one thing I love about the movie is that the village and the environment and the people they feel so lived in and fleshed out. It's like I'm watching a documentary about. Um, oh, this is how s- small town so and so in um, Europe lives, and they're they're untouched by the outside world, and they've they've got some strange customs.
0: Well, and I think too, I like about the movie a lot is, and this really isn't give, giving anything away because it's the basic setup and uh, it just kind of happens really early on. But the main character ends up at like this staying at this inn, and the innkeeper mistakes the main character, who is a man in his like forties or some thirties or forties for his dead wife. Yes. And what I love about it is the way that innkeeper is, who's obviously crazy. The way he's portrayed is, it's like, he's not, he's not acting weird in any way before that, you no. know,
1: he's just, he just confused. Shows
0: up, he's just like, Oh, you're my dead wife. He's like, well, uh, what? Like, and you know, you definitely, I think we've all had encounters with people who are not all there, but can still function. of the time? Yeah. Who maybe don't seem crazy until they say that one very, 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 very out there crazy delusional thing, you know?
1: And also, I mean, I can relate to that heavily because when I get hungry, I look at people and all I see is a five and a half foot tall Burrito Supreme from Taco Bell. Oh
0: my God. Don't even get me started. And
1: so... It makes a lot of sense when you're It's kind
0: of like in the cartoons where like someone's head just turns into a giant roasting turkey and you lick your lips, right?
1: Exactly. Or mm-hmm. uh there was the character Monterey Jack, the mouse from Chippendale Rescue Rangers, if you oh, remember yeah. that cartoon series. And he mm-hmm. would just smell cheese and he couldn't be reasoned with, he couldn't be bargained with, and he absolutely would not stop until he ate that piece of cheese. He was like the Terminator, but for yeah. cheese.
0: Well, there we go. All right. Well now um, we've now
1: we finally arrived after this tumultuous and wild ride through our top five movies about descending into madness. Where here. where are you at mentally? Are you ready to uh, just totally crack?
0: Well the crazy thing is huh, the crazy thing is we we're just talking about this food and I'm actually getting pretty hungry. I was like getting hungry Same. Right before this. I haven't had any pinwheel sandwiches today and now now that we're here like right at the the last you know right before our last pick and you've talked about you know people turning into burritos and we talked about eating mushrooms and stuff like my appetite is insatiably hungry which also is going to play a little bit into my final number 1 pick which is somewhat I'm throwing I'm I am changing the script here a little bit I'm throwing a curveball because This isn't a movie; it's a TV series.
1: Oh, boo!
0: It's a limited TV series. Is that is that better? Boo! Sorry, guys. What I'm going with is Tim and Eric's Bedtime Stories. This is the same Tim and Eric of Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job, Tim Heidecker and Eric Wareheim, two people who I am big fans of. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes their style of comedy doesn't always land.
1: It's a tad off-putting, to say to, the least.
0: Yes, uh, <laughs> like you know, like I, I remember the, probably the first time I saw Tim and Eric's awesome show, Great Job, whatever episode I saw, I was just like, oh, okay, I, this is just kind of, I'm not, wasn't that into it. But then I saw more, and I really enjoyed it. And I think sometimes they kind of get, you know, criticized for just being gross, or which they are. Or just kind of weird for weird sake or dumb for dumb's sake, which I don't actually think is what they're doing, you know? I think they're doing something a lot more difficult, which is making something smart that seems dumb, or making something that seems solely just weird for no reason, but has some sort of you know, satire, or critique, or commentary. It's just like, it's just not, um, it's it seems obvious, but it's not obvious. And, uh, like I said, it doesn't always... Land. They have a new show out called Beef House, which is kind of like a send up of like a Full House or Who's the Boss type shows. And the first episode I watched, and they're only like ten minute episodes. The first episode I watched, I was like, Nah, this isn't this isn't one of your better efforts. But then I watched the second and third. And I was, it got a lot better. So Tim, but t- the Tim and Eric's Bedtime Stories is kind of different from a lot of things that they've done. for for instance like they're kind of known for like their lo-fi aesthetic and this one has a much higher production value and they're kind of these stories they're each episode's kind of like it's kind of an anthology series with series with each episode having a different you know characters and plots and self-contained and they kind of take things and they it's kind of a straightforward more normal presentation but about odd things kind of like a messed up dream or nothing but trouble We just talked about you know you you start out with this pretty normal tone and then all of a sudden you have a character in a giant you know baby cost baby mutant baby costume and it doesn't really add up so it's like in terms of bedtime stories it's like these off-putting dreams the first season the second season is definitely the set better season The, the first season has a couple highlight episodes though, one of which uh doesn't even have Tim and Eric in it. It co-stars or stars Bob Odenkirk. And he plays uh, a doctor in a world that's – it's routine for people to just get their toes removed. And he's a toe removal doctor who's also obsessed with eating the toes. So it's a – the thing – the show is played completely straight, but it just has these very off-putting, unsettling, uncomfortable premises, you know?
1: Well what a coincidence. That sounds very uh, off putting.
0: Yeah, but I mean like we're saying that even, even I'm so hungry that those toes even sound good right now.
1: Right. So to someone who is desperate for for creative input and entertainment and just uh moving pictures, uh this is right up their alley. Absolutely. And and for a seemingly normal person, whatever that that might mean this is the perfect way to completely unravel your psyche into a, a bowl of uh, brain spaghetti.
0: Um, particularly the second season. The second season is, I can't, it's, I also wish I hadn't picked this on the list because it's so hard to describe what's visually happening in the series. Because I said, like, I can just say, like, oh, here's this weird scenario where it's played straightforward, but it, the tone that's accomplished in this, it's like, it's, they're kind of shot. Some, a lot of the episodes are kind of shot to imagine the way, like an eighties, like crime thriller, or, like cruising, you know, something like that would be filmed. Uh, and none of the characters, like none of the characters are, it's weird scenarios and weird characters, but it's all played straight. Kind of like, a what's a being John Malkovich where like, no one really reacts to the fact of how wacky this stuff is, you know? Well, you gotta, you gotta counter one for that. <laughs> You're going to go with the show.
1: Well, you know, actually, I decided to stick to, to the format and not uh, screw with the fans and the listeners. Hey, if we're going mad,
0: if we're going crazy, anything goes, right? Right. Why not uh,
1: an infomercial or a radio spot or a,
0: pic, a, a picture of a dog, just yeah, a picture, yeah. you know, like you know, like a like a Polaroid picture of a dog.
1: Yeah, that's what, what
0: I, that's what driving me nuts right now.
1: Lost animal posters on a on a electrical pole to drive you absolutely insane.
0: A collection of melted G.I. Joe action figures that will,
1: yeah, just in set
0: your mind afray
1: in in grotesque ways. Well, uh, my number one might be a bit of a surprise, but um, it's also a movie that I think a lot of people have already seen. It's uh, 1991's What About Bob? Hey-o. So, this is a uh, hailed as a classic comedy starring Bill Murray and uh, Richard Dreyfus, but uh. To that, I would counter with, this is not a comedy. This is not funny. This is not a joke. This is serious business. This is the story of a psychiatric patient and his psychologist. And the psychologist, when hounded and stalked and pursued by this absolutely unhinged patient, is driven absolutely beyond the brink of madness his career is destroyed his family's destroyed this this patient infiltrates every aspect of his life and absolutely burns it to the ground and not even just figuratively literally the character of bob is responsible for driving his psychologist to murder he attempts to murder his patient after being pushed beyond his limits and by proxy, Bob is responsible for his house exploding and burning to the ground. He also marries his psychologist's sister. He befriends his young son and wife. And then he writes a book about their experience together and exploits that for financial gain. Well, and, just... and by the end, the psychologist is a broken shell of a man. He's bitter, he's angry. And uh, he's lost everything. All because he was terrorized by whose patient, who didn't understand the boundaries between doctor and patient.
0: Uh, and, you know, in just like in the bedtime stories, the way that this does connect is the, w- the way in bedtime stories, like everyone, no one reacts to the strange things happening around them as if they are strange. So they just take them at face value. Every character in What About Bob, except for Richard Dreyfus thinks that all the weird stuff that Bill Murray is doing is perfectly normal. And they can't understand why Richard Dreyfuss is distressed by this. They think it's normal that uh, this 45-year-old, 50-year-old man is best friends with their 12-year-old son. Yeah, they're very weird.
1: dismissive of all of his strange, unaccept- uh, he, unacceptable behavior.
0: Yeah, he just like, oh, this guy just showed up on our vacation, like invited he, himself, but we, he that we done, followed them, followed them he like a stalker. Followed
1: it was not a coincidence. This, he is, this followed is
0: this is them. The, this plot, the setup. If you just listen to the premise, this is the setup, the same setup as Cape Fear.
1: Yeah, it's the only difference is that uh, Robert De Niro's Max Cady uh, was in prison and and Bob was not. He should have been, he should have been, and yet on the on the, the distress and destruction and unhappiness and misfortune of his doctor, he is able to rise and fix his life. But his doctor becomes the collateral damage. It's absolutely maddening, and it's, it's also heartbreaking to watch Richard Dreyfuss' doctor character just spiral out of control and just reach new lows. It's heartbreaking by the end. I
0: mean also, I mean Richard Dreyfuss's career spiraled spiraled out of control after this movie. Falling into obscurity, having a few making a few other like flops, then just kind of like drifting off. Meanwhile, yeah, he's just still
1: coasting on that shark money, you know.
0: Yeah. Bill Murray after that, his career just gets more and more and more respected. After this, he goes on, he makes Rushmore, then he's doing Lost in Translation, you know? He becomes this cultural... Yeah, it's a renaissance. You know, I mean, like, not that he ever went away or anything, but he's just like this, like, almost this entertainment god now. And all on the back of Richard Dreyfus, who just disappeared and fell into obscurity. Talk about art, uh, or life imitating art, huh?
1: Yeah, Definitely. It's uh it's pretty upsetting and I almost didn't add it to the list just cuz I didn't want to talk about it. I find it to be very sad. Yeah, just disconcerting. I don't I don't like it one bit and just it's a frustrating watch. It's one of the most maddening. I mean, I'm right there with Richard Dreyfuss every step of the way. Uh, the character of Bob Wiley is one of the great movie villains of all time.
0: I like this perspective. I like I like how we're getting down to the brass tacks of these things, you know, because you watch, you know, like like the characters in uh, What About Bob, who don't see the problem with Bob. So much of it, many of us as an audience members or audience goers will watch a movie and just take it as like, oh, OK, well, they played funny music right now. So therefore this awful, awful human being I'm supposed to like and get behind, you know.
1: Well, when the family at a point does ask him to leave, the wife actually becomes very, very upset and asks sternly asks Bob to finally leave. And he is... He finds this to be inconceivable. He can't... He asks... He responds to her request with like three or four additional questions, most of which are, are, are you sure? Do you really want me to leave? And then he doesn't. He doesn't actually leave. He walks away, and then just ends up coming back. Psh, He's classic. like a fungus. He's like your mushroom people. He just Whoa. He, you can't get rid of him. You can it's, it's, you can set him on fire. You can dissolve him in acid. You can bury him in the ground and salt the earth. But he just keeps popping up.
0: Essentially, what about Bob is the connective glue that ties all of these other movies about insanity or weirdness together you know it, he's the embodiment
1: yes he's of... a he's a real force of nature and and whether it takes the shape of a man or a mushroom or a roller coaster or uh, a list of names for a hitman to cross off um
0: a commodore 64 with a demonic software
1: oh yeah it is it, yeah the the descent into madness is is not occurring without a catalyst in one form or another. There's mm-hmm. always a catalyst. And in this case, the ultimate form, the most terrifying visage and and form that we could imagine is Bob Wiley.
0: Jesus Christ. Well, I guess that does it for our list. I do want to read something to you, though. It's a plot of a movie that I, cu- I couldn't... Clued on this list because I've never seen this movie, but I was just reading about movies the other day and I read this plot of this movie, a Chinese movie from 1986 called Family Strikes Back. And this, just reading this plot almost drove me crazy. All right, so before we do our send-off, I want to read this to you. This is the plot. Professor Q is a mad scientist who developed mental disorders from grieving from the death of his son who succumbed to AIDS, q orders his assistants to kidnap homosexual men to his lab located in a private container on a vessel for experiments police inspector uncle wa had sent his subordinates to gather evidence in the vessel but failed to find any um shek lee may an acrobatic performer working in a nightclub has practiced martial arts since childhood and was a former commander of the Special Duties Unit before he was dismissed by the police force due to accusations of sadism. Shek is currently a single father of three children living a happy life. One night during his performance, he and his protege, Lam Hong, witnessed and intervened in the kidnapping incident by Q's henchmen, and the two two became targets of Q. On the other hand, Uncle Wa discovers Shek's resemblance to a Japanese scientist named Toyota who colluded with Q. Wa formulates a plan for Shek to act as an undercover agent as Toyota in order to gather evidence from Q's lab. And that is probably the craziest plot of any movie I've ever read. So there you go. That's all I got to say about crazy movies.
1: It's also very specific, like down it to really the letters.
0: <laughs> it really is, yeah.
1: <laughs> if only more movies have been uh, created with that level of specificity, we might all be uh, better off.
0: I agree. Well, like I said, that's all I got to say. I do want to do our normal thank yous to everybody. If you got any crazy movies uh, that you, that you want to talk about or you think uh, we should have talked about. Yeah, um, what's you your can...
1: favorite Descent into Madness film? that yeah. uh, we didn't include on this list. We want to hear him, even if it is The Shining. Who cares? Yeah. Shout yeah. it out to the hilltops. I love it's, The Shining. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with The Shining. It's all about, you shouldn't listen to us. No matter what we say, just because we have microphones, we're not the boss of you. You're the boss of us.
0: I mean, what do we say, Keith? It turns out the real garbage has been us.
1: That's right. It's, make up your own minds, because yeah. there's uh, as always, we're here fighting the good fight against stupid movie criticism and websites like rotten tomatoes aggregating thought about movies like
0: we're out here fighting the good fight against movie criticism by offering movie criticism
1: that's right i we, i would never i would never just like on the last episode i don't claim to be a movie critic and i don't right. think you do either oh, we no, no, we no. love movies we're uh what's the opposite of a critic
0: An enthusiast
1: yeah, we're movie enthusiasts.
0: A Fan, fan, fan uh, cheerleader.
1: Uh, not a fan, no. That I mean, I don't want to equate myself with someone say like uh, Annie Wilkes from oh, Misery. Yeah. That is not what I'm about. Um, well, I, I could get behind it. I would never kidnap a filmmaker and cut off his foot and his thumb, and uh, and uh, you know force him to write an improvement over his last work or her work.
0: You're more than have a person to like like try and bribe them with uh, pinwheel sandwiches.
1: Yeah, pinwheel sandwiches. That's right. I'll feed them the pinwheel sandwiches. You make a
0: better movie, you write a better book, all the pinwheel sandwiches you want, you got.
1: Have you tried rewriting this screenplay while eating pinwheel sandwiches instead of drinking whiskey? Who knows what might happen?
0: Yeah, it might give that uh, special uh, inspiration that you were lacking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, we hope you guys
1: enjoyed uh, our Descent into Madness countdown. Um, as always, make sure to check us out. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Trash Heap Pod, uh, Facebook.com slash the Trash Heap.
0: You can follow us separately on Instagram to see Keith's Taco Bell. Uh, we did actually, we've been talking about we were going to get an actual like Trash Heap Instagram. Yeah, we
1: might just you move know? everything over to Instagram because that's uh, just what easier and better for us. So uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that
0: and yeah that's about it right
1: yeah keep an eye out for uh, yet another episode we're gonna keep this train rolling uh, as long yeah. as y'all keep listening um like i said last week thanks again for making uh john carpenter's ghost of mars our uh most listened to episode of all time and also thanks for giving the call-in special for child's play 3 a listen a lot of you have checked that out and uh, it's much appreciated yeah totally We don't know what's going to happen on the next episode. It's anybody's guess, so um, just keep an eye out. And we're trying to drop these every Sunday. And Mm -hmm. if we don't, we want to hear your complaints about it.
0: Well, all right, so I'm going to sign off. Keith, what do you always say?
1: Until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. brave new world it sure is sorry you gotta go as simon phoenix once said so yes the criterion collection next to the schwarzenegger library